says, get that India, big boy. Welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. It is the preview part of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And it's a somber podcast, and we'll get to that shortly. But joining me, as always, is my good mate, Craig, aka 60s. I usually ask you at this point, how you doing, mate? But we've just had the passing of a, a beloved friend and part of the TCT family. Um, mate, uh, our, our apologies if we get a little bit upset during this uh, podcast. It's uh, not an easy day for us, and I'm apologising because I thought I'd hold a bit together <laughs> better than this. Um, but yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna dedicate this podcast to Joe Briffer, uh our dear friend. Uh, I better let you take over there, mate. I just uh, compose myself a bit better. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not in much better shape, but. Uh, as of uh, Thursday morning, I believe three o'clock in the morning, uh, our good mate Joe Briffer passed away uh, due to complications relating to cancer. Uh, it was uh, on set very aggressively and it happened very quickly. So um, we've been trying to make our peace in the last sort of 24 hours as well, notified just ahead of, of the passing. But uh, Joe, was, Joe was an incredible friend. Um, one of the, the real constants of uh, Parramatta football for us, whether it was at Ringrose Park, New Era Stadium, uh, Parramatta Stadium in its various iterations from Parramatta to <clears throat> Bank West and Combank. Uh, yeah, uh, Joe, Joe was there since the, the inception of TCT and he was uh, part of the family. Yeah, what, one of the... Well, we, we actually met Joe... Um, even before the inception of, mm-hmm. of TCT, but in terms of his uh, support for what we did, um, he was amazing. Simply because he he loved Parramatta, so um, he we were bonded uh, over a, a love for yeah. a passion for the, you, the you Parramatta say, Eels. You say he loved Parramatta, but I think Joe might have been just about the most fired up fan of the club there ever was. He he. Literally bled blue and gold. Yeah, and and by virtue of of that, uh, we got to know him because he was at the venues that we were going to 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 uh, watch everything from uh, junior reps through the lower grades up to NRL. He was at, at special events and all sorts of things, and and anything to do with the club, he, he'd be there. Uh, AGMs, uh, you know, it, it, the the list goes on. The club knew him well, um, uh, and and I, I won't. I, I've, there's a tribute that we'll be putting up shortly on the site. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably already on the site. But the thing about about Joe was that uh, he he wouldn't be shy in expressing his emotions his thoughts that sort of thing and obviously that would be uh very much wearing the heart on the sleeve about Parramatta. but he was also very kind and uh expressive in how he felt a- about about us for example and he would he would talk to us about what the cumberland throw meant to him especially in the years where it was becoming more challenging for him to 
get to games and uh he was so kind in his words and 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 what uh just so supportive even when he wasn't at his best but when we started doing the podcasts at Parramatta Leagues Club, the live ones before the games. Uh, he he came to those to give us his support, sitting there at a table up near the up near the stage to uh, to be involved on the day. And um, you know, it, it, we we just love the fact that um, he he basically became like family for us. And yep. where it's it's hard to think, you know see a bloke again. Yeah. And right up until the end, he was the very person he'd always been. He was texting us about the win against Melbourne, talking about you know how how sad it was for Stoney to be out for the season, and he signed off to you almost almost perfectly. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I'm I'm not going to preempt our uh, the tribute that'll go up today, but this podcast is uh, for Joe, and we send our love and sympathies to. His family. We had the chance to talk to uh, Morris, his brothers Morris and Rennie, in the last couple of days. And uh, so, fellas, um, thank you so much for uh, you know letting us uh, keep us advised of, of what was happening and and for speaking to us at at a time that was difficult for for you. Uh, for both of you, so yeah, Morris and Randy, we're, we're thinking of you. We're thinking of all of Joe's family and his close mm-hmm. friends, and 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 sending our sympathies and our love. And as always, the passing of a of a close friend and and part of your family hurts, but you're, you're better served remembering and celebrating all the good times. And with Joe, there were plenty, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be certain to make Joe a, a part or immortalise Joe as part of TCT in the future because he deserved that. Yeah, we'll we'll be looking at a an annual award, a, a TCT annual award that we'll name in his honour, and 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 we'll look at which which that should be as uh, as the year unfolds. So, um, yeah, but we uh, but this this is a uh, a para podcast, and we're um, we're not <laughs> we don't feel bad that we've uh, that the emotions have been. Pretty raw. Uh, no way. No way. Um, and we hope that uh, you stick with us for the rest of the podcast as as we honour Joe by talking about the club that he loved, the Parramatta Reels. Yeah, and we we know that Joe wouldn't have had it any other way. He would have, you know, in in a showbiz sense, he would have said that the show has to go on. And when it comes to the Eels, he would have been upset if there would have been any sort of. Uh, interruption to the regular broadcast of his you know beloved club so we're going to push on for joe and uh on that note i'll let you introduce our first guest today um yeah so please uh please enjoy well it's been a terrific addition to our preview edition of the tip sheet preview podcast so at this point we're going to welcome in our behind the mic man spiro christopoulos spiro G'day and thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me back again, guys. And before we get into the thick of it, I uh, just wanted to send my condolences to the family of uh, the late Joe Briffer, a fanatic Parramatta fan. I didn't actually know Joe myself, but from what I've heard from people at the club and, and from yourself and you guys, uh, he was a great man. He loved the club. He was committed to supporting the junior grades and 
and coming to all the lower grade stuff. And it, it's terrible to lose a fan like that, especially when it's so sudden. So my condolences to the Bruffer family and to anyone that knew and uh, loved Joe. And I'm sure that uh, he'll be in the minds of the boys, the players, uh, when they run out this weekend. Thanks, mate. Much Thank appreciated. So uh, this week, it's, it's been uh, on the football front, uh, a, a bit of a mixed bag because we, we've got uh, Ray Stones had his injury, but oh, what, mm. a, what, a, uh, what a result against Melbourne. Bittersweet, guys, but yeah, fantastic result. Our record against Melbourne now extends and becomes even stronger and even greater. We beat them twice last year in season 2021 and, and we've got off to a good start already beating them in our first matchup of this year. And What a great feeling it is when you beat the Storm in Melbourne. It's just like nothing else. It's just so fantastic and, and it does prove as well that we can beat the big teams. We can get up for big games like this. We can string a good performance together and although we were patchy at times, which we'll go through in today's podcast, Overall, we put in a good performance, and when it mattered, we stood up, and uh, our halves stepped up. They took it on, and they actually put the, put us in front and, and helped us win this game. And it's been an issue for Parramatta for a long time, and there's been a lot of criticism around our side, especially the halves, not being able to step up and really perform when we need in games when we're on the back foot. They do really well when we're in front, and, and they're really dominant when we're up by you know 20 or 30. But when we're on the back foot, they always find it harder to win games. But I really saw a show and a sign of strength of character on Saturday when we beat the Storm and we got that win and fantastic feeling uh, for Eels fans and also for the boys. But bittersweet with Ray Stone, his last game in the blue and gold. And he'll be heading to the Dolphins next season. And I think we're going to miss him, especially on our bench, because he's versatile. He can play hooker. He can play at prop. He can play on the bench, he can start, he can do whatever you need and he's just got that grit and determination and, and we heard that from Mitch Moses post-game that he's one of the hardest workers in the club. I've heard that as well through my discussions with people at the the Eels. They all say that Ray Stone's one of the hardest workers and it proved on Saturday night, Brad Arthur, his instruction to Ray Stone would have been to always keep moving and that's drilled into them at training. Don't stop, don't be static, keep moving. And we saw that with Ray Stone a couple of times when he scored the first try and the second try, that he was just he kept moving and he kept moving towards the line and he didn't stop and he just seeked those opportunities and he capitalized on it. And it was the difference in the end. So bittersweet, but what a great performance from Ray Stone. And I think that it's important that he's in and around the group this year and we always remind ourselves of this crucial win because these are the games that matter in the scheme of things, these close matches, when it goes to Golden Point and we win on the buzzer, they make a difference come the end of the season when it comes to those final ladder placings and whatnot. So fantastic performance and, and great to see Ray Stone in some fine fine form. And NRL tradition dictates that the grand final 17 get a, the premiership ring uh, when it's issued, but the club can go out and purchase more if they would like. And you can damn bet that if the Eels go on to win the title this year, the first player that's going to get a ring outside of those game day 17 will be Ray Stone. 100%. And he's been at the club for a long time. He was a junior. He captained our under-20 squad. And it'd be great to see some success for the club and also see Ray uh, benefit from that as he heads up to the Dolphins and relocates as a bit of a thank you for all he's done for Parramatta. He's stuck solid for so many years and he's got to do what's best for his family. But as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's the first player that the club go out and buy a ring for. He trains the house down. He's well-liked. He's one of 
the hardest workers, one of the toughest blokes in our side, and he, he deserves it. Yeah, and as you said, well-liked by the other players. He was a standout, an absolute standout in this preseason. And, and and it was mentioned about being one of the hardest workers. Well, he took it to another level in this last preseason where he was, if, if it wasn't uh, Gutho or... or or uh, Jake Arthur leading the the uh, conditioning work. It was Ray Stone, and I was thinking, man, if if he's if he's moving on, he's determined to give us the best season that he's that he's done so far. And unfortunately, injuries robbed that. But uh, as you said, to get that that win down in Melbourne, I'm sure that if you're looking at any club marking down the likely results from a trip to Melbourne against the Storm. Probably not too many budget to come away with the two points, but we're going to come away with those two points. And as you said, that that could prove to be the difference in final ladder positions come the end of the year. Now, you you touched on the halves, mate, uh, their, their mm. form. Dylan Brown, what's your thoughts? How fantastic was he, guys? I listened to the... The instant uh, reaction podcast uh, when I came home from work on Saturday night because I was so eager to hear what you guys had to say about the win. But for me, Dylan Brown probably played one of his best halves in a Parramatta jersey and we saw a little bit of commentary praising him and, and acknowledging how well he did. And I've, I've looked at the stats and I know that you guys mentioned that in the instant reaction podcast, but a bit of an interesting bit of analysis for you guys in terms of Dylan Brown's performance comparing year on year. Last year... He had two try assists throughout the whole season, right? So two try assists throughout the, the 20, uh, 24 games plus finals, whatever, two try assists only. He had two try assists alone on Saturday night and now has four for the season. So his impact in that first half, you could say, was better than anything he dished up throughout the whole of last year. His defense was brilliant as well. 36 tackles for a half, for a 5'8", is brilliant. So he's looking in fine form. I think that in those first couple of games, he maybe wasn't as noticeable or he didn't look as dominant or uh, didn't show that flair that we saw on Saturday night. But his running game is key. And that's what Dill does best. And Brad Arthur said it in the press conference post-game. He needs to take on the line and that's what he's great at. So I really do hope that we see a bit of a continuation here. We see Dylan Brown continue this, get more triasis under his belt, continue this fantastic defensive effort week on week and just take on the line. Have a bit of confidence about yourself. And I think that's one of the issues that we've had with our halves for a, a while now is that they're not confident to take on the line and they've got such ability. We see when Mitchell Moses takes on the line, when he runs the ball, what impact he can have and it's the exact same with Dylan Brown. So fantastic performance. I was really impressed as a fan. That's what you want to see from Dylan Brown week in, week out and if he can do that, well, he'll go a long way to getting Dalian medal points and, and also uh, getting us wins when we need throughout the season. Now, we were banging on the first couple of weeks about some of the foul shots that the Eels players were subjected to and and also seem, just seem to be creeping into the NRL across the season so far, and that's the first two rounds. Then we get to round three, and we have the Asofa Solomona incident. What's your take on that, mate? Very frustrating, guys, and I <laughs> echo what we've heard from the Eels, from the NRL, from the media post-game. It was a dog shot. It was very, very clear that the, the tackle on Makahisi Makatoa was deliberate, was intentional, and it was after he had been really tackled and, and put on the ground by the two other Storm players. So it was clearly blatant. I don't know 
how the NRL match review committee didn't see that because it was clear to me that he was tackled. And after the little bit of a, a friendly fire between the two players earlier in the plays previous to that, there was a little bit of banter. There was a bit of aggression. It was pretty obvious that there was tension between Asopa Solomona and Makatoa. And then Solomona comes in with this, this late hit to the head. And I think a few of the guys from the continuous call team put it really well. If someone did that on the street, if someone put a shoulder to the head late when, you know, it, it's, not, it's not allowed. If, if, if I was a police officer on the street and I saw that he's got a charge for it, put that into perspective in an NRL game. If there are actions on the field which would be illegal if, a, if they were in the street doing it, right, and within, obviously, within uh, range, then they should be copying at least a stint on the sidelines and a simbin. So it was very, very disappointing. Melbourne have a bad record of this sort of stuff. We saw Felice Kafusi last year with uh, that tackle on Ryan Madison when they played us up here in round two at mm-hmm. the then Bankwest Stadium. Yeah, the They've got a record of it. And and it's very, very clear that Melbourne are a, a bit of a dirty team and they like this grubby sort of play. And, and it was very, very clear to me that it was a violent action. We talk about stamping out violence in the game, but then we let things like this go. So I'm pretty disappointed about it. It's been done to death this week in the media, but I think it's important that we chat about it and once again shed light on the third week in a row that Parramatta are the victim of foul play from opposition. Yeah, it's. Um, I think one of the things, and, and, and as you pointed this out, in the tackle, the uh, well, the defence, or the, I shouldn't say the defence, but the rationale behind the level of charge was that the player was falling in the tackle and that that contributed to being struck in the head. But when you look at the vision of what was happening, the way that he was swinging his arm, there was a range of head positions that basically would have gone from shoulder height down to below hip height, where the swinging of uh, Solomon's arm was going to hit Hesse Makatoa in the head regardless. It was... It was a uh, literally like a straight swinging arm, as in as in a uh, a vertical arm, not a horizontal arm movement. So that sort of swing is going to collect the target, no matter the height of the head. And as you said, it, like the tackle was virtually complete. Those two players were putting him to the ground. There'd been the running battle that had gone on between those two for uh, a period of time in the game in the lead up to that. So he was obviously looking to see, uh, looking to get, uh, I suppose, a, a bit of an edge over Makatoa. Um, and that. again, it's, it's, it's crossing the line. And when you've got a, an opportunity, and I think is it, is it Abdo that has the capacity to come in over the top and say, look, this charge isn't strong enough. And I think they use the argument that it takes away the um it's not the authenticity it was another word that they used to of of the integrity panel the integrity yeah uh, of the independent panel if the nrl is is coming in so quickly over the top and i thought to myself no it's actually showing that the system can work in in its form where you've got that capacity for an overrule of uh, of a charge and uh, I think if there ever there was a charge that needed uh, the uh, the powers that be to come in over the top and say, 
look, that doesn't really fit any criteria. This was the case. And it does it does Parramatta no good. And look, we can bang on about this and, you know, people might say, oh, it's Parramatta supporters having a whinge. Well, last year, the Roosters banged on about the shot that Dylan Brown um, put on that, that put... Um, uh, it was Hutchinson, wasn't it? Hutchinson, yeah, 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 out for out for that period of time with the with the knees, and do you know what? I didn't have a problem with that because they were saying there's no benefit to us during the game because our players put out of the game, and then uh, there's you know there's no penalty. It's just um, you know what happens is the next team gets the benefit of of uh, the player being suspended. It doesn't have any benefit for us. And it, as you mm. put it out, there should have been penalty. There should have been sin bin. Um, and if the bloke was, and as it turns out, the bloke's not even getting suspended, which is ridiculous. But how it's missed when it happened is beyond me because all of us saw it happen. And mm. I know that you can miss things as a referee. Look, I'm not. But that's why I'm the doing there. this. Yeah, I'm not doing this as an as an attack on Klein because a referee can actually miss it because they're trying to look at so many different things. But there's more than just one official's eye on what's going on. And if almost everyone is following the play, saw that because, bang, it's there. It's the tackle. It's the tackle that stopped the play. Some official's eye had to be on that, whether it be the sideline official's or the video referee official, because that was that eventually was what led to the the tip that it's happened. But then there's nothing. It's like I oh, will put that on report. They don't go back for the penalty. They don't go to a sin bin. It's just oh, they will go on report. It's not good enough. It's very frustrating. I was sort of waiting this week, as you sort of referred to, 60s, that maybe Abdo would have come out and overruled it, overturned it, or uh, gone back on the decision. But not, not, that didn't happen. Graham, that didn't eventuate. Graham Annesley clarif- clarified that uh, the, the NRL HQ have the ability to uh, refer an incident that was missed by the MRC to the judiciary for a charge. But if there was a charge levied, uh, I think the way the code is written up, they cannot overrule. It was at least how I thought he explained it. Right. So, yeah, yeah he, he came out this week and clarified. But, um, yeah, it probably should have been referred to the judiciary. Like, if they can't overrule, that's fine. But they should have at least come and said, look, it was and, – and he did acknowledge that it was a mistake and that the NRL should have – the match review committee should have charged him and he probably should have been simbing in the game. He did come out and say that this week. So – there's verification from the NRL that the wrong decision was made. But once again, we're left without any compensation or without any punishment for the opposing player on what he's done to um, one of our boys. And on a side note, how tough is Makahisi Makatoa? Like, that was a tough hit, and he stayed just on the field. Straight back it looked up. like nothing had happened. He just got on with the job, right? Barely flinched. Barely flinched. Barely flinched. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's... Uh, you, we only have to think about the number of players that would have stayed down in that instance because if he had to stay down, it would have been looked at straight away and there might have been a consequence straight away. I mean, mind you, he probably would have been taken off to the sin bin if he had to stay uh, – to the head bin if he had to stay down. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, you know what? I like the mentality of getting on with it because uh, I'm trying to think what other game it was where the, the player was trying to feign a head injury – and uh, 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 Harris Tavita from the Warriors. Yes, yeah, that's it. That's it. And 
And there was nothing wrong with him, but he ended up having to go to the HIA because when they were reviewing it, they thought, well, he needs to come off for an assessment if he's gone down after after the tackle. So it backfired on him. So if our players have that mentality that they're going to get on with the job, well, that means they've got their their thoughts are entirely on the on the football and the match plan, mm. and I'm all for that. Now you mentioned Dylan Brown before, um, Mitch Moses, mate. What, are, what what's your thoughts there? I've got an interesting observation, uh, and before I touch on that, just briefly in wrapping up the Sofa Solomona thing, it says a lot about the culture of the club. Like you said, that Makatoa didn't make a big deal about it. Brad Arthur in the post match press conference didn't make a big deal of it. So it's pretty clear to me that they're focused on the football. And that's really important in terms of our progress and, and what happens, uh, what season 2022 looks like for us. On to Mitchell Moses. These are pretty odd stat, right? But it's a very, very good point that I picked up on. And it's, it's weird, but if Mitchell Moses, right, think back to week one, the game against the Titans, and then think back to Saturday night. If Mitchell Moses didn't hit the goalpost from a kick, right? So he did that twice. He, he kicked the ball and he hit the post twice this season. We would actually be on zero competition points because that try that Sean Russell scored off that kick in round one, it technically, uh, that try, it was, you know, put us ahead and, and it built the lead for us. Go back to Saturday night. If Moses didn't hit the post there and who knows what happened, we probably could have lost that game as well. So it's pretty, it's a weird stat so that we- basically... We know what, yeah. what went wrong against Crowell Mitch just didn't hit the uprights. That's, exa- that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. So no, but it's a, it's a it's funny, a, it's funny a, stat, isn't it? Weird and, weird and wacky one. So basically, in summarising, if he didn't hit the goalpost by accident on those two occasions, we'd be on zero competition points on the ladder and we'd be down the bottom with the Tigers. So it just shows this game, and it also leads on to this point really nicely that the games are really close this year, and I'm enjoying my footy. And last weekend was a fantastic round on the whole. We've got the lowest average winning margin since 1998. The lowest average winning margin this season so far since 1998. So the games are closer, and it comes back to these rule changes. But in terms of Parramatta, they, technically these two kicks that hit the post by accident um, have helped us and, and got us two wins this season so far. It's a, an amazing example of the swings and roundabouts of rugby league, because cast your mind back to that finals clash with South at Bankwest mm. Stadium when his kick hit the upright and it completely turned the game because uh, South took the ball from the rebound and within a couple of tackles, they're, they're scoring the uh, winning, well, the try that uh, got them away from us in the back half of that game. And maybe, just maybe, there's something that was learned by the Eels from that about staying alive and not assuming that a kick's not going to hit the post because uh, I think back to that game and mm. our players were on their way back towards halfway because they thought this is a close-in kick. He's going to nail this. And, I mean, most of us were probably thinking he's going to nail this sitting in the stadium. Um, we weren't ready for the rebound. We weren't there to take it. Who knows? It could have been a scenario where... We could have got the rebound score to try because the defence was scattered. Instead, we were the team that had the scattered defence and, and South took advantage of it. So, uh, nice little pick-up there, Spiro. <laughs> Great pick-up. Um, now, a uh, few, few rumours floating around at the moment? Yeah, recruitment-wise. We obviously missed out on Jermaine Asako. Went to the Titans. He's going to make his debut there this weekend. Or, uh, 
this podcast is going to be released on Friday. So technically, he's already made his debut last night against the Tigers. Um, Eason Masters, he's the next guy on our hit list. Adrian Prezenko from the Sydney Morning Herald reported this week that Parramatta are in talk to them at the moment. Um, in terms of Eason, the benefit with him is he can play on the wing, he can play in the centres. He can fill the gaps, he can fill the void. He's playing reserve grade at the Titans. And he might just be a handy little pickup. Based off what Prezenko is saying, if we can get him for the rest of this season, we'll also sign him for next year, which he might not be a bad backup to have. I'm not sure exactly what his asking price is going to be, but he could be a little uh, handy addition to fill gaps when we need with injury, especially on the wing and, and if anything happens, God forbid, in the centres. The other mail that I, I'm getting is that Britton Nakora from the Sharks is firming really nicely. Uh, and he could be someone that will be in the blue and gold next year, filling that void with Papali'i and Yukore heading off to uh, um, Nakora. Britton Nakora, great player. He's probably had a quiet start to the year, but he's a real star and he could be a, a real asset to our team if we secure him. But from what I'm hearing, he's firming. The club are really interested, and I think that he may end up in a blue and gold jersey, guys. The great tragedy of it all being that we will never have Niakore and Nakora in the same team, uh, just just for the <laughs> names and jokes aside. But yeah, really like Britain Nakora. He strikes me as the sort of player that could take a real... I mean, not, not to say the Sharks are a bad club by any means. They obviously beat us in round two, but he's the sort of player that could really shine in the systems we have at Parramatta. Um, and hopefully, yeah, we can get pen to paper there. And, and perhaps as a little aside, it keeps a nice little bit of symmetry, a little bit of balance in the club that if we lose a couple of Kiwis, we pick up a couple. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, mate, we, we just quickly look ahead uh, this week with the injuries and player availability uh, uh, return of uh, Maddo. We've got a, a slightly different looking bench this week. I think it's really strong, guys. It's one of the strongest benches I think we've put up in quite a while. It's, it's fantastic to have Cartwright back in the side as well as a utility. You just don't know. The game is uh, very fluid. Injuries happen, and having Cartwright there, he can slot in basically anywhere in the – or not anywhere in the forward pack, but he can slot into the back row, and he can slot into the halves where we need as well or uh, in the back line. So really good to have him. Ryan Madison, bit of a surprise. Wasn't expecting him back in the squad this early, but fantastic addition. Oregon Kafusi, powerful, and Makahisi Makata, a strong forward and a tough forward as well. So I think this is probably one of the best benches we've had in a long time. Obviously, Maddo would potentially be in the starting side if he wasn't returning from injury, but it's a, it's a great bench. It's going to help us against a, a Dragon side who they're going to be desperate for a win, and we know what happened the last time we played them in Parramatta last year. Very disappointing game, but I think that We'll be able to bounce back this week. St. George, as I said, will be hungry. I think it'll be a closer game than we all think, but it's it's going to be a, a fantastic contest. Sunday night, 6.15 at Combank. And, yeah, that bench is looking strong. Well, mate, we don't seem to like anything else but close games, as you pointed <laughs> out earlier. Uh, but uh, That's it. Look, Cardi had um, a very impressive game uh, against the Mounties in the New South Wales Cup last week especially the first half. He was creating havoc on the left side of the field. Um, and and lots of, in, even in the second half, lots of hustle getting to uh, loose balls, getting uh, just just 
filling a lot of spaces and holes out there in defence in what became a real second half scramble in the torrential rain and the and the and the wet conditions that were there at at Kellyville Park last week. It was um, and for those who weren't aware, there was a late change where they moved it from being a Mounties home game at Albury Peach Reserve to being uh, a, a match at Kellyville for the uh, superior drainage. But believe me, with the rain that was happening. Uh, the drainage didn't matter too much in terms of uh, a wet field. It, it mattered compared to what Albury Beach Reserve looked like because that was a lake, as as it turned out. But yeah, very wet conditions, and uh, thought he did exceptionally well. Um, it was interesting. Ryan Madison was there on the hill at Kellyville watching that match. I think his brother was involved mm. with the Mounties team, but he uh, you, you often see the Eels players at uh, reserve grade games there. Uh, cheering on their mates that are uh, in the uh, full-time squad that are running around for New South Wales Cup. So, um, yeah, good inclusion. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of minutes Brad looks at. I think it's been important for Bryce to get game time in New South Wales. Mm. And that's probably been critical there. And um, and the one thing, and I'll, and I'll just mention this quickly, is that uh, there's, there's a lot of talk about uh, BA's use of only five interchanges last week and only three players on the bench. But he's mm. always been a coach who has used the bench not so much with a preconceived idea, not that he doesn't have a plan yeah. on the bench before it, but it's almost like a player playing what's in front of them. He makes use of the bench as he sees the game unfolding and or, or how it might be going to go in the last few minutes, what he needs. And if he's got players mm. out there who are getting the job done, he doesn't like to disrupt what's going on. If he's liking the the way the game's going, he doesn't change. He, he's not interested in changing it. But then we look on Saturday, and Ray Stone was pretty much saved for that last burst in the in the back quarter of the game. And look what was able to be produced there, where he mm. didn't get a run earlier in the game. He was saved for that last little bit, and that hustle that he brought. Um, really was instrumental in us getting the victory with those two tries where it was all about effort plays. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the bench is used this week. Mm. And I think, as you mentioned as well, there's a cautionary tale about the Dragons that hopefully we learnt from last year mm-hmm. where, That's where we just did not uh, measure up in that, in that game against them. In fact, really, we weren't in the contest that day. They were all over us. Uh, so yeah, let's mm. let's hope that uh, that lesson was learned. Well, mate. Uh, again, thank you for joining us for all of your takes on the previous round. We look forward to uh, next week, and, and let's hope that we're not talking about uh, some of the uh, foul shots that are on Eels players uh-huh. or on any other player in the NRL. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good contest out there Sunday night, I reckon. So. Let's hope we can get the two points. We can have an injury-free game, touch wood, and also uh, no foul play. Really looking forward to it. And on the interchange thing as well, just before we finish up, William Greg didn't play at all last week, right? So he was on the bench. I'm not sure if there was an injury or something happened there, but that just proves that BA is not going to use who he's got in his interchange for no particular – just for the sake of it. He's going to use people if he needs them, and that's it. Correct. He, he didn't have yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. No, no, no injury. He played the. He, he played uh, big minutes on Sunday at Kellyville. Had a good game at Kellyville. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Look, 
thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate your time. Great to chat as always. And yeah, go power this week. Cheers, yeah, mate. Thanks, mate. Catch you next episode. Alrighty, mate. Let's move on to the news. News team, assemble! Bit of a crossover of what Spiro was talking to us about, but there is plenty of Parramatta news this week. Starting with that uh, Nelson Nelson Asofa Solomon fallout, mate. Uh, Cleared of the cannonball tackle somehow, no charge there. Charged with just a grade one dangerous contact charge, which attracted a $1,500 fine, but $1,000 with the early early guilty plea. Free to play next week in round four. Uh, There is a division of opinion, though, because Graham Annesley in his uh, round three debrief on Monday uh, made great... uh, went to great lengths to stress the independent nature of the match review committee and how uh, they operate independently of NRL headquarters, but that the prevailing sentiment from him and his uh, fellow high-level executives in the HQ was that a Symbian and a grade two charge were warranted. Doesn't mean much for the Eels, but uh, it might lead to a bit of a crackdown on high contact. Well, you, you, we do tend to see that there is a reactionary nature when the outcry reaches this level. Mm-hmm. But let's face it. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's a part of me that's just um, just sickened by this whole thing because I'm, I'm feeling like a broken record going back over the same things. And I'm sure people yeah. are starting to get sick yeah, of it. We, we don't want to harp on too much because we've already spoken oh. so much. But one thing that you and Spiro mentioned that you know was probably right. worth retreading is the fact that it wasn't an isolated incident. There was a sort of 10-minute lead-up period where they were going at each other, you know, getting a little bit spiteful, getting a bit of, you know, in each other's face that maybe could have uh, led to some attention being given towards the uh, careless, reckless, intentional grading. Where- well, how important is context? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you – there – I mean, this this where it, where it comes down to making judgments on incidents and um, – but you look at that, if, if you take the incident in isolation, it's still pretty damn awful as far yeah, as I'm concerned. Exactly. You know, and I think in context, it just gets worse. Yeah, that's that's it exactly. So I, I'm, I'm saying in isolation, it deserves more. In context, it makes sense mm-hmm. what has happened. When I say makes sense, I mean you can literally read probably what's running through his mind at that moment, I'm going to get this bloke. Yep. And and, I mean, and I'm saying probably because I can't be a mind reader or what have you, but you've got a situation where you've got two blokes trying to get over the top of each other. And we we know we've seen enough of, enough of, of Macca to – I mean, he's, a, he's one tough bloke, but I've never seen him get involved in a, in a personal battle like that no, before. He just, he's yeah. always gone about his work and just plays footy. So yeah, yeah. It, it, speak, so it speaks towards his a, uh, opponent. Had, yeah, he'd had he'd had the the bloke having a shot at him about the about the drop ball and then and then uh he returned fire on that and that was obviously a, that a had, beautiful that piece of football karma right up. there. <laughs> As with that and I mean like see that sort of stuff there's some good theatre in that. You, you don't mind. Let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. You don't you don't mind. And if it leads to a big that. hit, that's even better. But yes, but, but not a not a not shot a, like that. It's not even a cheap shot. That was an absolute coward shot. Yeah. Well, 
it's um, I, I, maybe I'm going to be careful in the in the choice of words that I use there, but it is just it's a bad look for the game, and I've I've been uh, you know, and again, this is something that I've been going on about that there is there is no good that comes from showing these incidents on the media over and over again because it is not good for uh, the growth of juniors, a junior rugby league. It's not a great advertisement for the game. And and to be clear, the senior game of rugby league, the professional game of rugby league, is nothing like what's played at junior level. They are two distinct games because one is a brutal collision sport and the other is a modified game that is uh, that is incredibly safe, where um, it, there there are the, the kids are, uh, are taught to play safe. It's all about play safe, and um, you know when you see little kids run around, that's cute. There's no big collisions. It's you know you, you've seen enough on um, on rugby league programs that show kids football and what happens in kids football. It's it's kids having fun, but it doesn't help. How does that promote the game to parents when they see this is what's potentially possible in a game of football because this is how professional athletes are playing it? And and that sort of hit has no place in the professional game. I don't care what level it's at. Yeah. That's, that's where you get serious injuries and – uh, we were saying before how tough Macker is and, and what his mindset is, but we shouldn't even be thinking about that because he shouldn't be subjected to shots like that. So anyway, we've probably said more than enough on the on the topic as it is, but um, as I said, it sickens me that it's 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 got to this and we 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 sort of um, sarcastically said that it's, you know, is it going to take a, a big incident to start to get some action if we get some action and it hasn't been from a hospitalization now um then well and good but can't you just feel an overreaction coming at the yeah, same yeah. time the, the next know. the next poor soul that has a just a careless high tackle uh is going to find himself sitting down for two or three games instead of getting a fine it, yeah, well, and, and again, I'm going to come back to it there is a big difference between a, a player falling in a tackle and copying the accidental shot around the head where the, the head suddenly got it hip height or lower. Um, and, and it's literally, there's almost nothing that can happen when it's a sudden drop and the player's coming in for a standard sort of tackle, a regulation tackle. But when you've got the two players who were controlling the tackle as they were, and they're taking the, the player to the ground, and then someone comes in as third man in, with a, uh, a the, the arm swing as it was in the context that it was, um, that's a whole different kettle of fish. And using the player falling and contributing to the tackle, just I, I, I am stunned that that applies there because you know there's so many times where it does apply, and you just feel that some poor soul, as you said, is going to be the victim of an overreaction. All right, next order of business, a uh, bit of mixed news here for the Eels. It's the injury ward. It feels like it's been one-way traffic in this across the first three rounds of the competition. Uh, but like I said, it's a mixed bag this week, which is pretty good, all things considering. Unfortunately, Ray Stone uh, confirmed ACL. He will be out for the season. His last reps 
as an eagle for the time being, who knows what the future has in stock for him. Maybe he has a, a reunion with the Blonde Gold. Uh, but adding to that, in the NRLW, poor Bertil Vetti Welsh also confirmed ACL tear for her. She's obviously out, uh, well, the Eels out of the running of the NRLW, but she won't be in the mix for the actual 2022 comp that's been scheduled for later this year. Um, she's going to need the rehab from that. Uh, we do have some clarity on Murata Niakore, mate. Uh, he's gone from indefinite to a return scheduled for round six or seven, so it's just around the corner. It's a good uh, bit of news there. Massive reinforcement uh, potentially for the Eels just around. Uh, and then Ryan Madison, he's gone from being indefinite or uh, rounds four to five. It, there's been conflicting reports there, but he's uh, due to return this week. So nice boost there for the Blue and Gold. It's it's good to see the the players coming back into action. Um, it doesn't lose. I'm not losing sight of the fact that in the uh, the top squad that we're already down by two for the entire season. So um, interesting to see how that how that plays out. Um, we're starting. We're starting to see the importance of depth, because even without uh, any impact in the season itself as yet with COVID, where uh, we certainly did see it in the preseason, but within the season itself, we're now seeing the uh, injury tolls that mm-hmm. are there and um, the importance of the depth, um, and uh, you know, which which might lead to. A little bit of other news floating around. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, signing news on the back of sort of what Spirit led, uh, had spoken to us about earlier. But uh, Eels allegedly, per the media, out of the hunt for Jack Bird, but have turned their sights towards Britain and Cora. Spiro saying that he's hearing that there's a bit of positive uh, traction on that front. Eels moving closer towards signing him, not confirming it by any means. Uh, but that would obviously be a very good pickup for the club. We've spoken at length about the system for Britain and Cora. It's also worth mentioning that he's only 25 years old, mate. He's coming into the prime of his NRL days and uh, would be a very, very handy pickup. Mate, would I'd go beyond handy. I'd say it would be an outstanding pickup if they were to uh, uh, be able to add uh, Britton Nakora. He's, uh, he's got a lot of upside for uh, what he can bring to the team because it's not just the power side of the game, but he is... He is one of the fastest forwards. Yeah, really, really good lateral footwork uh, and and sort of foot speed there. Crafty line runner, all those sort of things that you love as as a Dylan Brown or a Mitchell Moses. That brings a lot to the team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be an outstanding pickup. And alongside that, Nakora news, uh, we spoke about it with uh, Spiro, but Adrian Prashenko broke on SEN Radio that the Eels are looking at. Uh, trying to pick up Gold Coast outside back Isan Masters uh, for this year and with a, a, stack, a, a tacked on year if he comes aboard. Uh, Masters, intriguing signing potentially because you look at him, he's been an out-and-out centre for the Tigers and the uh, Cowboys. Um, I'm not sure about his time at the Titans now. Uh, but we've had uh, a similar player comp in Kirisomi Ava'a on the wing. So we, it's shown that we can you know use a bit more of a bruiser on the wing, much like Masters. But... Physically, he's also the prototypical back rower, and his ability to break tackles and offload really fits nicely into that role. So he'd be a fascinating pickup for both the short and long term. Mate, well, first of all, were this to happen, I would hope that you'd go back and, and, and put a tick on your notes from many, many years ago because I can recall... 20, 2017, uh, I think it might have been when I was uh, 
uh, discussing a few about this one. Yes. So uh, just for the benefit of our listeners, uh, 40 sent me a text message. Uh, and this is going back years ago when ESAN Masters was uh, running around in the junior reps for, um, was it West or the or the Tigers? Uh, yeah, it would have been part of the joint venture. So, because it would have been West Tigers in the then Holden Cup, they were fully you know integrated as the joint venture. But uh, was he a Tiger or a Magpie back in the junior reps? I think maybe a Tiger. Yeah, uh, because I'm sure this was this was prior to the NYC. This was. This was when he was a junior rep, but you you sent a message about about to me about uh, whether I thought the club should chase Esan Masters as a uh, as a prospect, and uh, I well I think my answer to you back then was yes, definitely. But the um, were we to pick him up now, I would be just as pleased because I think there's some untapped potential that's there where whether it's been he hasn't had the right coaching input um, or the right players around him. I don't think we've seen the best of him. As you said, there's that um, versatility that is likely there where he could be someone that is looked at as a, a back row prospect. He could fill in an immediate need in the outside backs. But I just think... Yeah, I think he's a. I think he'd be a real project there's, player that create something defen- special. There's defensive concerns, but that's not the first time the Eels would take a punt on a bloke who you know hasn't always been a great defender and trusting their systems and their team to help them you know become better in that regard. Mitchell Moses, like the shining example in that regard, uh, but he is a, such a explosive player in offense that you can't help but be tantalised at the upside. This is a low risk, high upside pickup if it does go through. Yeah, look, I'd be I'd be very pleased were it to happen. Um, I haven't necessarily heard any any rumblings from within. Not that we hear that much in the way of rumblings from within the club these days. It's a very tight ship from uh, as far as the Eels are concerned about um, uh, who they're looking at signing wise. So there is a certain uh, irony too about Azako rejecting the Eels uh, in whatever capacity, given that the Eels seem to have moved on, but going to the Titans. And then the Titans and losing exam masters to the Eels. Yeah, and, and look, there's there's nothing that fans love to talk about more than um, signing rumours. And uh, when you're talking about the potential of someone joining the club immediately, it probably it probably attracts even more mm-hmm. uh, footy talk around that. Um, so definitely, yeah, I watch. guess I, I guess it's uh, you know watch this space around him. So I hope it happens, mate. Yeah, I'd be very keen for it to happen too. Now, this one is signing news, but not rumoured or confirmed. It's just pertaining to one of our already signed players for 2023. Uh, Eels coming out, telling the media and all and sundry that they are fully committed to Josh Hodgson and his rehabilitation process. They're going to be working closely with the Canberra Raiders to ensure that Josh makes a full recovery from that ACL. And... Uh, the way the way it's been spoken about from I believe an old physio and and just a little bit of the noise there is that it might not have been like the full blown ACL tear that you see like completely wrecked the knee more of a function of the the ACL like being partially torn which I don't know how much of a difference that makes to the recovery I've never blown my knee out thankfully uh, but one either way the uh, the club will be working alongside Josh to get him fit for the twenty twenty three season. 
I am not surprised about this. It's um, I think once they made the decision to sign a senior player like Josh Hodson, I just felt they were all in because of, I think, qualities that he was going to be bringing uh, outside of just the just the playing. Yeah, yeah. Losing Reed Money obviously is going to be a big blow for the club, but getting Josh Hodgson back fit and firing and be able to not only play on the field but also coach and teach that next generation of dummy half, whether it's Brennan Hands or another young kid or someone else they recruit, you want him on board providing that experience and savvy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that brings an end to a rather congested uh, news cycle for the Eels this week, but mostly good news, which is always a good thing. But let's get on with the game day stuff, the previews. It is the preview edition of the tip sheet, mate. So let's start talking previews, starting with the junior reps. And it's going to be a very, very busy day out at Kellyville, mate. We've got four games, four grades of football to be played after a very complicated and confusing reshuffling of venues uh, eventually led to Kellyville hosting all the junior reps and the Jersey flag. Uh, I have to imagine that the facilities out at Illawarra, I believe it is this week, uh, are just not up to scratch after that torrential downpour we got again. The Groundhog Day right there. Uh, let's start with the Tasha Gale, mate. They're taking on the Steelers. They're kicking off first. Uh, a couple of changes for our ladies. Uh, Jacinta Tui's back. She comes onto the wing in place of Amina Kanj, who is out, whether it's injury or COVID, I'm not sure, but Tui, who was fantastic a couple weeks ago against the Bears, she'll be on the right wing, I want to say. Uh, but then that means that uh, there is also another spot in the team too because uh, poor Petalina Atoa, who's been fantastic in the front row, I believe she cut. Uh, sorry, I believe she suffered a pretty significant concussion against the Rabbitohs. She was uh, uh, feeling the after effects of that pretty significantly um, when, from where I was sitting on the sidelines, which means Chelsea Steele, comes into the starting team. Chelsea scoring a nice try at the end of that game against the Bunnies. I'm sure she'll do a terrific job in the front row. Uh, so Chelsea was the concussion player last week, so the change on the bench isn't pertaining to her, but Catalina Vave does come into the team as the 17th player. In the Harold Matthews, they've got a couple of enforced changes too, mate. Uh, they had that double blow on the back line against the Bunnies with uh, Richard Penasini and Junior Fagalele both doing what I believe are serious injuries, a knee for uh, Richard and an ankle for Junior. So they've got uh, Philo Totoa Tanua Fono on one wing, uh, with uh, Dom Ferrugia coming onto the other. Dom obviously very good against the Bears a couple of weeks ago. Really happy to see him get another chance. Uh, and in the vacant centre spot, Zaydis Moagatutia comes into that role. Um, he was the bench utility, so he did a very good job on the wing actually against the Bunnies, scoring a couple of tries. Uh, Asides from that, Blaze Talani captains the team in the halves. He'll partner Lorenzo Talatina. Uh, unchanged front row, Big Sam Torvaiti, Budzafa, and Jacob John, who was excellent. Uh, I think Jordan Faliano didn't start last week in the back row, so that's one of the changes there. But Shabel Shahadi and Kobe Herford definitely were starters. On the bench, Lock and Koinakis comes onto the utility role, or comes in for the utility role. Pia Kala and Uta were both part of the team last week. And Josiah Funaluta gets promoted from 18th man to 17th player. In the SG ball, uh, just quickly looking, they've got a couple of changes too. Uh, unfortunately, Ethan Sanders, not Ethan Sanders, I keep making a mistake, Patrick Spence uh, missed the game against the Bunnies. He was uh, on crutches, so he's done something to his leg or one of his legs. Freeman Forsyth reprises his role at fullback. Uh, then we've got a uh, change in the halves. Uh, Riley Canning is out this week, uh, but Riley Lack is back, so you lose one Riley, but get another. Uh, Jacob Davis gets his first start at dummy half. 
uh, with Yaya Ayachi out of the team, so I have to imagine he's injured. Uh, Daniel Reardon moves into the front row. Charlie Geimer moves from the uh, Jersey Flake back down into the back row in the uh, SG Ball 60s. That's something worth uh, monitoring on the weekend. Don the Stratus, the average back row. Saxon Pryke moves from prop to lock, which isn't going to be much of a difference in terms of his play style. He's just going to be going uh, after everything as he is wanted to do. And then on the bench, uh, Nicholas and Naj drops back. You've got Marcus Atal, Ibrahim Fakhri, and Josh Alzahim. Vlado Jankovic is the 18th man. All three grades against the Steelers on Saturday at Kellyville. We'll be out there pending that it's not another typhoon, mate. Mate, the way the weather has been, I'm not taking anything for granted. It, it's literally, I've started building an arc. That's all I'll come down to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a spare one line around after that first three weeks of torrential downpour that we had, so... If you do have a spare arc, be sure to get out to Kellyville to watch the four games there. Uh, speaking of the fourth game, the Jersey Flake is scheduled to kick off at 2.30pm after the conclusion of the SG ball, but I'm not convinced we've got a team this week, mate. Uh, the Eels haven't put it up, hasn't posted their team Western on New South Wales Rugby League. We've got 17 players out, which I imagine is a clerical error of the Eels not lodging their team West properly, but... Uh, as it stands, the entirety of a team that beat the Melbourne uh, the Melbourne Storm, the Victorian Thunderbolts last week, are listed as out. <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll do our best to chase up an updated team list there. And uh, for those people who are looking to go and watch some football on Saturday, uh, not only have we got the uh, junior reps as you mentioned, and we we also have the jersey flag and. The Jersey flag are well worth watching. We've been uh, very pleased with their start to the season. And you've got uh, some players in that group that have been part of the Eels' uh, full-time preseason and Mm -hmm. uh, performing quite well. You've also got some players elevated from SG Ball who are uh, are performing up to that elevated level standard. So um, get out there, enjoy four terrific games of football Take a um, a chair, a fold up chair, because yeah, there is no. Uh, we're still some time away. We're still some time away from uh, the grandstand being completed up at Kellyville. It's uh, we, we've got matches happening there because of the fact that of, of these weather conditions that have been happening lately. It wasn't planned for the matches to be there, but you do have a hill. Either bring a chair, bring a blanket to sit on and uh, you'll enjoy some uh, terrific football. Also worth mentioning, the Eels have already met the Dragons in both the Cup and the uh, Jersey Flake in Round 1, so this is a chance for the Eels to get revenge. I don't think the Dragons have won a game since then in a game that was heavily uh, influenced by some uh, less than uh, less than quality officiating, I think is the word I'll use there. So chance for the Eels Oh, to- mate, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping and praying that... Uh, we have someone different in control, mm-hmm. but how's the vagaries of the draw? I mean, we talk about the NRL draw and how quickly it comes got, around. Got the Gold Coast Titans up next week, but yeah, the even a week faster for the Cup and the Flag, just crazy. And it's not a yeah. small, it's not a small competition too. It's not like it's a eight or ten team competition. There's twelve teams. Uh, oh, look, no, I suppose more. there's there's no it's, it's still twelve in the Jersey Flag. Yeah, so yeah, look, no, look, I'll suppose I suppose. I will still give a tick because it, it means that you can have a curtain raiser match in the uh, reserve grade uh, in the New South Wales Cup yeah. playing the uh, Dragons as well. And you've got that continuity across all of the grades. So, look, I'm going to give a tick for the flexibility of the draw in that regard so that we're talking about matches a- against 
um, the dragons in in all those in all those grades. So yeah. And speaking of that curtain raiser out at Combank Stadium, three fifty p.m. on Sunday, Eels taking on the Dragons, Parramatta in fifth place in the New South Wales Cup. With the Dragons sitting last in twelfth. Uh, Eels get a number of reinforcements this week. Do have some losses too. Bryce Cartwright obviously caught up to NRL duties. We'll talk about that shortly. But they do get uh, a trio back, including a couple of spine players. Mitch Rain back from a sternum injury. Jack A. Williams, I believe, is playing after copping a knock up near his throat against Newtown Jets. And then a player that I'm really looking forward to seeing, Ellie Elskaham. He's finally back from a hamstring uh, niggle, I think, mate. So he's going to be in the back row. Eels looking like this. Hayes Perham at fullback. Solomon in Iduki and Zach Sini on the flanks. Samuel Loizu and John Olive in the centres. Captain the team from 5'8 is Jordan Rankin. I already mentioned him, but Jack A. Williams will partner Rankin in the halves. Uh, powerful front row, Offiki Ogden and Wiramu Gregg with Mitch Rain steering the team around the park from dummy half. Ellie Osgaham back on the edge. Dan Keir on the other. Kai Rodwell missed a little bit of a little, a little bit of a Mr. Perpetual Motion, Kai. He's uh, been fantastic throughout these opening three rounds. He's the lock forward. On the bench, Luca Moretti, Keaton Walkington Meads, Brendan Hands, the utility, and young Peter Tateo making a nice impression in senior football. Taking on the Dragons, just looking at their team list this week. Uh, don't think there's any big names this week. Uh, after we had Tarek Sims and George Burgess uh, take to the field against us in round one, they've both been caught up to the NRL. George obviously faking some off-field allegations too. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're not exactly the most star-studded team. Eels handily accounted for them in round one. Um, Whether pending, hopefully they can do the same in round three. Uh, round four. Mate, I, I, I have to I have to admit... I'm a little bit surprised by the the Dragons' start to the season because having watched them in that trial earlier in the year when you had the mix of uh, some first-grade NRL players but uh, uh, mostly um, lower-grade and pathways players that took part in that trial at Bankwest Stadium, I was impressed with how the younger Dragons players Performed in especially in that uh, the back half of the game, the second half of the game, mm. where they they came home strong and and actually brought about the win for the Dragons. And I came away thinking, well, they've got some good prospects coming through. Uh, they'll probably perform handily in the lower grades. And then when I went and watched the first round, the Eels absolutely demolished them. I mean, it wasn't it was clinical, and it wasn't. With all respect, it wasn't a contest in any way. No. Now, the para can't afford. Like, I always, you like to ignore position on the table, and you worry about your own game, that sort of thing. Parramatta can't afford in in any match, in any grade, to go in with expectations of a of a win. I think the you have to go through your processes, and and I'm just talking football jargon in saying that, but you've got to play every team as if they have that potential to beat you. So, and and when I say that, I'm talking about from a respect point of view, Absolutely. not from a worry point of view. I'm talking about from a respect point of view. Um, so, uh, look, uh, the Eels are going, reason, had a reasonable start to the year in the New South Wales Cup. I'd like to think that it will continue. And again, um, I would encourage people to get out to the stadium early to catch the lower grades, because when we've got when we have discussions about who is worthy of getting a place in 
the top grade if uh, if if their if positions become available it's always good for people to see how lower grade players are performing yeah, and, it's, and it's all well and, and good to take us on our word too we, we appreciate that people like listening to our football opinions but the best thing you can always do and it's not just football it's life is to give yourself the chance to forearm yourself with your own set of knowledge go out there and watch the game watch a good yeah, team absolutely go absolutely we 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 enjoy when we get different perspectives from our readers about what's happening in in games and mm-hmm. and in instance there's many an instance where there's something that's noticed by uh someone that you don't get a chance to to pick up yourself or you you might be too busy focusing on something else and you there's a particular there might be a particular play in a game an incident or it might be the performance of a, of a player something that they that they're constantly doing off the ball that's that's helped a victory so uh, when we encourage people to get out there and, and watch the lower grade games, I mean, not only is it great entertainment, but it also it also adds to the, that discussion. Everyone loves talking team lists and and who should be in the team, who shouldn't be in the team. Well, get out there, have a look at ha- who's performing, and uh, find the reasons uh, that maybe a favourite player or two deserves a shot. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, no NRLW this week. Eels knocked out of the running for the finals. But there is NRL, and it's the, uh, well, not the curtain raiser, it's the curtain closer. It's the final act of round four, Sunday, 6.15pm, out at Combank Stadium. Eels taking on the Dragons. Parramatta Eels continuing their fantastic streak of active weeks inside the top eight. They enter this week in sixth place. They're taking on the 14th place Dragons, which is a bit of a surprise. We, we mentioned how sharp they looked in that trial 60s, but they've had some tough results go against them across the first three rounds. Uh, narrow loss to the Panthers. They got whooped by the Sharks, to be fair. Uh, but uh, they also uh, counted for the Warriors in round one. So they're, they're sitting down there, way down in 14th place, which I, I suppose speaks to how close the competition is because they don't feel like they're a 14th place team. Um, and we've already mentioned they ambushed the Eels last year, round five for 2021. Uh, really did a fantastic job spoiling the ruck in that game. The Eels just got rattled. They look like this, Tyrell Sloan at fullback, the young star, on the wings, Matthew Fear Guy and the big Fijian Michaela Ravalawa. Moses Sui and Zach Lomax give a, a very different blend of uh, speed and finesse and power and brute strength in the centres. In the halves, you've got another young gun, Talatau Amone. Captain of the team at halfback is Ben Hunt. You've got Francis Molo and Blake Laurie in the front row with Moses and Bai as the lone dummy half in this team. A bit of a surprise. Uh, in the back row, the one-time Eels target, now apparently not on the radar, Jack Bird, Jack Goshwowski. Uh, and then Tariq Sims in the interchange, Jack DeBellin, Josh Kerr, Jackson Ford, and Aaron Woods. Extended roster, Tautau Monga, Pawasa Farmasuli, Daniel Alvaro, former Ilvair, Andrew McCullough, Jaden Hunt, Jonathan Rubin, and George Burgess. You'd have to think that McCullough is nicked up. Otherwise, going with Moses and buys your lone dummy half is a brave move. See, I'm, I'm not a fan of him at dummy half. And... Um, that would be, if I was a Dragon supporter, that would be my concern. Having said that, he'll probably come out and have a blind now just to... Just to, just to, to spite, uh, just spite to our words, it. yep. Yeah, yeah, make me eat the words. But uh, I regarded the... Before the season started, I regarded the Dragons as being genuine top eight prospects, and that might still turn out to be the case. I got. I just have the feeling that it, that there's times where... 
there are wrong decisions made where the intensity drops off at the wrong time, just that there are costly moments. They didn't have any costly moments when we played them last year. No, As no. I said game, to you, I thought game it of their was, season. Uh, you know, we we weren't really in the contest in that game. Never. It, it was. I regarded that as one of our worst performances of the year. But in in saying that, you have to give credit to the Dragons because they took the game to us. We may have allowed that to happen, but they really took the game to us with the physicality. I don't expect that to be any different. Maybe the saving grace is that uh, we've got Mary on staff this year and he might be able to help with a few little ideas there. A couple of the players that I I really like, I think um, Sloan is a great player. I'm also uh, a fan of the unheralded uh, Jack Kozowski. I think he's um, and I, how have I gone with that the pronunciation I, there? I'm not I'm not 100 on it, but I think you're close. So obviously our apologies, Jack. We did get that wrong. Um, it's a heck of a surname. Oh, oh, it's it is pronounced Jack. I was like, it, it was I right in saying Jack? Like it's just dark. yes, yes, yes. The, uh, was it the tough man? The uh, that the great skit there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I, I I think back to um, when it's the uh, pronunciations. The um, uh, it takes me back to Benny Hill and a, a little skit, and when he says. Do you say Hawaii or Hawaii? And the bloke says, uh, it's Hawaii. And he goes, oh, thanks. And he says, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, Sorry for the uh, (laughs) little digression there, people, but we probably needed to laugh, have a bit of a a giggle, even if it's just amongst ourselves and not amongst – and even if if our listeners don't find that funny, I'm happy to have a bit of a laugh (laughs) myself. uh, after uh, in this podcast today, so they, uh, um, the dragons a little bit light up front though it feels. Um, I'm just trying to think. Jaden Sewer suspended, uh, Josh Maguire suspended, uh, Tyrell Fumiano suspended. So there's a bit of their muscle right there. I don't know. It feels like this is a game where the Eels could take them through the guts. And to do that, let's look at the Parramatta team quickly, mate. Uh, and then not too many changes this week, but it isn't the same team that took on the Storm. Obviously, Ray Stone out, and there is a little injury cloud over another player. But at fullback, as always, co-captain of the team, Quinton Gufferson. Wunga Blake reprises his role on the wing again. Uh, Bailey Simonson is named to play, but I believe he is in concussion protocols following that high shot against Melbourne. So if he's not cleared to play, going to be a very interesting proposition how they replace him. But for now, we assume that he will take to the field on Sunday. Will Penasini and Tom Opachik are the centres. Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, that fantastic halves pairing. Uh, speaking of fantastic pairings, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Polo, best bookends in the game. Reed Marnie, the dummy half, looking for a big bounce-back game from Reed In the back row, Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali'i both had exemplary efforts against Melbourne. Nathan Brown, the tireless lock forward. On the bench, Makhezi Makatoa. Ryan Madison, big reinforcement there, gives Eels flexibility across the edges and middle. Bryce Cartwright now comes on, gives Eels utility value and edge back row sort of a dynamic playing. And then Oregon Kafusi, the other middle forward. Extended roster, Mitch Rain, Wirimu Greg, Hayes Perham, Kai Rodwell, Solomon Inaiduki, Samuel Loizu, and Ellie Elsgahan. We already gave him a shout-out for coming back from injury. He's right back into the Teamless Tuesday mix. Uh, if Simonson goes down, you're looking at those extended rosters, mate, and it's Hayes Perham, it's Naiduki, it's Loizu, I have to think. Yeah. So your thoughts about the uh, about the Dragons being... A bit light up front. Do you think that's the uh, 
the message that the Eels are saying in their team selections uh, with who they're throwing at them uh, off the bench? Yeah, well, we know that Reg and Junior are obviously going to be punching through the guts the entire uh, time they're on the field. But, yeah, with, with Ryan Madison and Bryce Cartwright, depending on how he's used, it gives them a little bit more uh, explosiveness, I think, uh, opposed to uh, Wirimu, who's, you know, more of just the out-and-out middle. But Madison has that extra lock forward or, you know, even like a small prop, I suppose, they're going to use him uh, with Nathan Brown, depending on how they rotate him. And Bryce Cartwright to be able to get back in behind the rock there's definitely some avenues to explore there. Yeah, so again, we we still have to keep coming back to the fact that they're they got through us last year with a real power game. Yep, spilled um, the rock, ran hard, tackled hard. It was like that's just it. basic stuff, but it was so effective. Hey, you know, it's that it's that old uh, kiss principle of you know keep it simple, and they did that to perfection against us last year. Um, how long uh, you can do that for? How, I mean, look at what what are the conditions going to be like? What is the uh, I know that the, gra- that the ground the yeah. ground drains extremely well, but it's as we're recording this, the rain is coming down. It's uh, the the forecast is supposed to be that it's rain through the be- rain through the Saturday. Sunday is apparently cloudy and moderate, so. Yeah, so it's uh, be interesting. Um, I, as I said to you before earlier, I don't take anything for granted. Um, I'm hoping that we're not dealing with wet conditions because I'm completely over wet weather football <laughs> at the moment. Um, I know that we don't really play it like it used to be played on the mud heaps of yesteryear, but I'd just like to see, uh, and I'd like to be at a game where I'm not sitting or standing in rain no and pon- i know no that we've ponchos. got great cover yeah exactly no no umbrellas can just enjoy some good old-fashioned uh sunny sunday night football yeah so um well mate uh let's let's go to our tips then with what's going to how things are going to unfold i'm going to suggest that it's going to be uh, an eels victory in the vicinity of uh 30 to 10, mm-hmm. and I'm going to uh, take uh, – I think it's about time for it. I'm going to take Bailey Simonson as first try scorer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to select Reg as man of the match. I like it. I like it. I went a little bit more conservative on both sides of the ledger as opposed to you, mate. I went for a 20 to 4 or going for a 20 to 4 victory for the blue and gold on Sunday night. I'm back in my man, my young my young man, Dylan Brown, to back up against the Melbourne Storm into the St. George Award Dragons and score the opening try. He obviously set up the opening points for the Eels. Now he's going to go one better and get one for himself. Uh, player of the match, though. Whew. You know what? Reed Marnie's going to, speaking of bounce-back games, Reed Marnie's going to have a bounce-back game. Uh, he's going to be pretty upset for himself after what happened against the Melbourne Storm. A couple of errors, a couple of bad missed tackles. Uh, obviously that uh, miscommunication or overall and late in the game too, he's going to be uh, razor sharp on Sunday night. Mate, I was I nearly threw in a prompt of saying, um, uh, you know, with your man of the match, are you prepared to consider Reed Marnie? Because that came to my thoughts as well, that this could be a bounce-back game for him because by his standards, it, it wasn't the 
the performance that he would have been happy with against the Storm. And I think in front of the home crowd, he's going to have a big game this week. Um, and, and it's interesting because I think the return of Mitch Rain is going to be monitored in the reserve grade game, not from the perspective of taking Reed's place by any stretch of the imagination. But, but workload management. We spoke workload about management, yeah, roll off the bench. Um, because I think when we, in the matches where we've seen the odd error from Reed, it's come late in each half. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think just and whether that's a whether that's a factor of his um preseason which was spent a, probably about half of it that's right doing impaired by that shoulder injury yeah yeah so and and I'll say rehab work but he he was doing an, he was doing a lot of running especially at the time when the eels had had moved into doing their their contact work so the um that that physical contact conditioning side of it was probably and and I'm not saying that Reed's not up to it physically or anything like that and please don't get me wrong there but he's I'm just wondering whether he's not where he would be each season mm-hmm. in terms of that uh, in terms of match conditioning well, and, I think it's, uh, it's, the, it's not just it's the fact that while he was a rugby condition for running like you mentioned, the actual physical conditioning when it comes to wrestling and tackling and getting up and down, you know, all that stuff that the NRL entails when it, it makes it such a demanding sport. He probably was a little bit behind the eight ball there. So he'll come, he'll get back to his best. I'm, I've got no concerns about that. But we've already mentioned it in the Instant Reaction podcast from last week, I think. There is definitely merit to having Mitch Rain on the bench, whether it's injury cover, being able to just spell read, you know, around half time or either side of the half. Uh, and allow, allow the Eels to keep putting the foot in the throat of their opposition. Yeah. Um, so, mate, uh, we're both fairly confident about the win. And um, given that we're confident of a win, how about we get a whole lot of people that are looking to celebrate that win, join us in Jack's Bar and Grill after the match for our post-match uh, podcast. We'll go out, uh, look to be going out live uh, via TCT, but also we'll be there with um, this week. It was well, the original plan was Bob O'Reilly. Um, the Bears not able to make it this week, so we're going to be joined by Neville Glover. Neville's always great for a yarn or two, so we'll break down the match after the game. We'll have Neville Glover joining us, and uh, for those of us uh, that would like to um, have a bit of a well, have a beer in in. Uh, Joe Briffer's honour. Uh, mm-hmm. Join us in Jack's Bar and Grill, and, and we'll also have a bit of a toast to, to Joe. So um, uh, please do join us. We'll, we'll be aiming to kick off about forty minutes after full time at, over at Parramatta Leagues Club. Yeah, it's a, a wonderful way to sign off on this episode of the Tip Sheet, mate. I mean, Vale Joe Briffer. We've lost one of our great, great football mates, part of the TCT and Parramatta Eels family. Um, he will not be forgotten. Uh, and you know, hopefully, in his you know honour, the Eels can go on and finally break that big drought. I know that's what he would have wanted. As always, uh, thanks for stopping by and listening to a couple of blokes that usually just rant and ramble, but got a bit emotional today. It's a uh, one of those days, unfortunately. But uh, we'll be back better and stronger for Joe and for everyone, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. And uh, and Joe, we did get the bastards, mate. We did get him, mate. Yeah.